Braves bounce back against the AL West. It's been good. I mean, we've you know taken two series in a row from two really good clubs. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano coming to us from Truist Park. And uh, Justin, the last time we left everybody, the Braves had played their worst ball of the season in Toronto. Must have been an exchange rate thing because things feel a little better now. (laughs) Yeah, and... Credit to the Braves. I mean, from Brian Snicker on down, they talked about, and we had some of that audio on the podcast, they talked about how weird of a weekend it was in Toronto, that they just had to move on, and they did. They win two of three in Texas against a very potent Rangers team that now has a better pitching staff than they've had in recent memory, Um, and then two of three against the Mariners, who are a team that should contend uh, for a postseason berth this year. So it was a nice week for the Braves, who are returning to form in some ways, but in others, namely the rotation, still kind of need some things figured out. All right, just ahead, the rookie finally settles in. What's behind what could be a breakthrough performance for Jared Schuster? Plus, how much longer will the Braves go before they actually put five starting pitchers in the starting rotation? And later, we've got a deep dive into the dynamite week of Ronald Acuna and the historic pace he's setting at the top of the order. Also, should Ozzie Albies give up switch hitting? And we've got all the answers to all your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Well, welcome aboard, and please make sure you follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And can you believe it? Another school year is winding down. Summer's right around the corner. The pools are opening up. And that means it's graduation season. So if you've got a party to plan for that special student in your life, make it easy on yourself and get everything you need in one place at your local Kroger store. Kroger's got custom cakes, party trays, decorations, and more. And go to Kroger.com slash graduation to see everything that's on sale, all the appetizers, the drinks, the party supplies, etc. And if you don't know what to get that grad in your life, Kroger has all your gift cards and greeting cards, too. So head to your local Kroger store today and take the Braves report with you while you shop or go to Kroger.com slash graduation. You can find that link in our show notes. And for the first time, uh, Justin and I are doing the Braves report with our new Kroger jersey patches. So we fit in uh, with everybody else going on. So uh, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'm trying to see if we put mine on the correct sleeve that's facing the camera so there's adequate product placement. Uh, for the video that uh, none of you guys will ever see. That's a joke, by the way. But uh, uh, anyway, as we uh, begin our show here, the, the Braves are getting on the right track during what may be the toughest stretch of their season. Yeah, we've hung in there good because you look ahead of that thing and it's like, holy cow. You know, I mean, it's you knew it was going to be a gauntlet to go through to the end of the month. I mean, playing a lot of, a lot of really good clubs and... You know, just, and it's been good. I mean, we've, you know, taken two series in a row from two really good clubs and um, got another one coming in tomorrow and then another one coming in after them. So that's why you can't look, you know, you just play and get ready and and do what you can to win today. Because if you look at that schedule, you, you know, drive you nuts. That's manager Brian Snitker and uh, our columnist Mark Bradley wondered earlier this week if it's time to start worrying about the Braves a little bit. Well, these series against Texas and Seattle should have pushed some, maybe not all, but some of the fears back a little bit. Yeah, I I don't know everything or even half about baseball, but I, I just think this team's too good. I mean, I watch them every day. 
they have enough firepower. They pick each other up. The clubhouse vibe is great. Like there aren't any apparent issues in there. They have all the ingredients to achieve their goals. They're going through issues with the rotation because of injuries. But you look at them and yeah, even if they've had a couple rough series here or there to this point, they've already had two four game losing streaks, something they didn't have all of last year. I get it. All of that. There have been some struggles, but you look up and they're 29 and 17. They're in first place. It feels rather comfortable because it doesn't feel like the Marlins um, or the Mets or the Phillies are really close to catching them, though the Phillies will swing by here later this week. I just think the Braves are really, really good. And here's what kind of separates them, Jay, is that a lot of times in baseball, we, we just think of the starting lineup. We think of maybe a bench player. The Braves have depth, man. Like on their 40-man roster, you know, on their 26-man roster, like they're really deep to where, yeah, like Olsen and Riley haven't done a ton. Olsen until obviously this weekend. He had a monster weekend. But a couple key members of the Braves have struggled through, you know, the first couple months of the season at different points. And they've picked it up with, you know, you had an RBI single from Eddie Rosario. You've had big hits from Kevin Pillar. Orlando Arcia seems to shine brightest when the moment gets biggest. You have guys at the bottom of the lineup and the middle of the lineup also pulling their weight. The Braves are kind of better than the sum of their parts even. They have stars and they have talent, but they really have depth. And I just, that's why I was never too worried about them, especially because that weekend in Toronto was very strange. They still gave themselves a chance to win. And and that's what you can say. I mean, really, like, they're not getting their butts kicked when they do lose. Um, They just really have star power and they have depth. And I think water always finds its level eventually and i think that's what happened here is look even if this team struggles even if they have issues even if there are injuries even if there are questionable things that occur you know on the field each night they're still really 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 good and you'd put their best up against anybody and you'd put their mediocre up against a lot of teams because that's how good they are the topic of the rotation has been a gigantic issue we'll dig into it a little bit here in a minute But we'll start with Jared Schuster. He answered a lot of questions on Sunday. Six innings, one hit, one run, first win. Yeah, much better. Just just trusting myself and uh, trusting the catchers and trusting everyone behind me. I think uh, being down in AAA, just work on some stuff and and, and get right. I think I feel much more comfortable now, so I'm happy with how things are going. He did look a little more comfortable against Texas, but on Sunday he looked like he belonged, looked like a first-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. You saw, to me, you saw the poise. Um, You saw just the attack mindset. Like for the first time, it seemed like he was out there not trying to just go batter by batter. You obviously want to go batter by batter if you're a pitcher and you're taking it one pitch at a time. But he really seemed like he was in control. He seemed like he belonged out there. He seemed like he was commanding that mound. He was commanding the zone. Um, And I think I asked Brian Snicker about this and he said, well, You know, I asked him if he could tell he was calmer out there. And he goes, well, he doesn't really show a lot of emotion anyways. Um, And then I asked, you know, Travis Darnot about how, you know, fun it is to see a guy when he gets a hold of it. And he said it's just really special to see a guy like that mature. It's special to see him, you know, when he finally starts to get more comfortable. Comfortable and calm were the operative, you know, the main words used by Schuster um, and the couple people we spoke to after the game. And it really speaks to his development. I know a lot of fans were out on him. I get it. His stuff isn't Spencer Strider stuff, but it plays, it works. He showed it in spring training. When there's a third deck and lights added, sometimes it takes a little bit to adjust. These are really good hitters. 
um, at the big league level and experiences everything. This was only his fourth career start. And, and you kind of just have to preach patience and know that, hey, give him some time. And he's done what the Braves have asked of him, namely, you know, kind of getting that strikeout to walk ratio a little better today, Jay. Seven strikeouts, one walk. And more impressive to me is that one walk did not come until his final inning. And he got through that inning um, with a runner on third and, and an out, I think. He, you know, he recorded three straight outs after that runner was on second, um, after he walked him and that runner stole a base. So I thought it was really, really good. And one thing I pointed out to Jared or that I that I just saw is it looked like the slider played. I was looking on some of the numbers on that. He threw it 29 times. On 29 sliders, the Mariners swung 19 times. On 19 swings, they whiffed eight times. So the slider was really working for him today. I asked him about that. He said it was the velo. So it averaged 83 or 85 miles per hour, uh, touched 86 multiple times. So it was where he wanted it to be. And then he was able to get it under a righty's barrel. He's able to kind of pitch to both sides of the zone. He was able to use it however he wanted. Um, and, and to me, that was kind of what stood out is just that. And then his just overall poise. It was really, really good. And uh, you feel, it's kind of a feel-good story. You like to see a guy, a young guy like that, get a moment um, to show himself that he belongs and to justify the work he's put in. For Schuster to lock down a job in this rotation, let's say, by the 4th of July, what has to happen? Yeah, I think I think he's just got to go out and give five or six with two or three runs each time out. And, and maybe eventually he might need to be better than that because, look, it depends, right? You've got a guy named Michael Soroka down there in AAA. Now you've got a guy named A.J. Smith-Shaver down there in AAA um, because he was promoted from AA. The Braves want to see, you know, they think he can handle it up in AAA. He's going to get an opportunity to prove himself there. And who's to say, like, if A.J. Smith-Shaver doesn't, you know, if he just blows the doors off of everybody who's to say they don't give him a shot this summer um who's to say that he's not one of the guys that gets a chance to earn a job so i don't want to say jared schuster's just got to go five innings and give up two three runs you know not implode obviously he's got to be good but i think for right now with what we know he's just got to give him exactly what he did these last two starts in texas i think it was five innings three runs here six innings, you know, one run, even if it's six innings, two, three runs, give them close to a quality start, go five innings, don't implode, don't just completely destroy the bullpen because, you know, you didn't last very long out there. I think that's kind of what they need. Like we've talked about in this podcast, a fifth starter, you know, you just need a guy who's going to give you a chance. And I think that's what he's got to do in their current state, you know, show consistent improvement and then give the team a chance to win. And I don't want to set the bar low and say, yeah, he's only got to give up three runs over five innings or he, you know, he can't, you know, whatever. I don't want to set it too low. I just think that right now with where they're at and two rotation vacancies, he's just got to keep on this trajectory and stay pretty consistent, stay pretty even and don't, you know, give the team a chance to win and don't implode. As for that other rotation vacancy, it is currently filled by bullpenning. And even the manager is wondering how long this can continue. I don't know. You know, and it's going to, it's got to be a perfect storm to lead up to it and have it be a reality, really. I mean, you got to score a lot of runs, get some long starts. This one worked because Charlie went really, you know, we scored a bunch of runs and he and Danny finished the game off in Texas that pretty much allowed this to happen. 
how tough is it for you sometimes in the days leading up when you have to keep all that in your head and do things yeah, I mean, to you can't really do that i mean you just you have to go after the games in front of you and then if that doesn't work then you switch to plan b that's three bullpen games last eight days or so zero wins to show for it so how much longer can this continue i don't think it can and i think i mean look like what i would say is this if Charlie Morton comes out on Monday against the Dodgers and throws seven good innings, and then Spencer Strider comes out against the Dodgers and throws seven good innings, and then Bryce Elder comes out against the Dodgers Wednesday and throws six or seven good innings, then yeah, okay, like maybe you might be able to swing a bullpen game Thursday. But even then, I don't think it continue because of this. Thursday's that next spot. You've still got Friday, Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before your next off day. And mind you, for those who who aren't looking ahead quite like we are, that Saturday or that Sunday Monday swing is brutal, man. ESPN Sunday Night Baseball against the Phillies, and then a game in Oakland the next day at 5 p.m. West Coast time. So you figure the Braves are probably going to get to the hotel about 4 a.m. easily. You know, if they're lucky, it'll be 3 a.m. Um, get some sleep, get to the ballpark, probably a show and go in a string of 13 games without an off day that ends June 1st uh, with that off day before the series in Phoenix. I just don't think they can do it. Um, And I think, I don't know if they think they can do it. Like I understand fans are frustrated by the bullpen games and yeah, like the Braves would prefer to have five starters in there working. Here's the thing, you know, if you don't like bullpen games, here's an encouraging sign for you is that Dylan Dodd on Saturday was removed after four innings, four scoreless innings, um, because he was at 73 pitches. His hard cap was 75 pitches. To me, that seems to indicate that they're maybe readying him to pitch Thursday, that he's at least an option that they're thinking about uh, for Thursday. And I think at this point, I think they've got to go for it because Man, if that doesn't go well, if the lead-up's not perfect, that a bullpen game doesn't work, as Snip mentioned. And if it doesn't go well Thursday, you still got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Phillies. And then before a road trip, three games there before your next off day. I just don't think you can do another bullpen game unless the stars 100% align. But, I mean, to this point, and as I mentioned, I know people are frustrated, but to this point, you can kind of see the reasoning, right? Off days on May 8th. 11th um and then the one on the 18th allowed them to kind of steer it in that direction to to do bullpen games they've had good starts where everything literally everything they've needed to do bullpen games has worked out in the days prior to those bullpen games you know days in advance up until the day before and then some of it is the Braves have used the bullpen games to try to buy time for guys in AAA like to this point you know early when they started the bullpen games they wanted to get Jared Schuster another start. Then they've wanted to get Dylan Dodd, you know, a couple more starts to work on things and, and to show them something. And, you know, Snit even said it after Saturday's game that you would like to see a lot of those guys in AAA string together two, three, four good starts in a row, and they just haven't seen it. Um, and that kind of goes, Are we gonna? when are we going to answer the Soroka question? I know that's going to come eventually. Do we save that for another part of the show, or what, how do you want to handle that? We can go ahead and answer uh, the Soroka question now. So, so here's what Snit said on Saturday about his options. In AAA? Yeah, I think, I think stabilizing your rotation is the key to being successful, is having a rotation, as we saw last year. That there's nothing that, that trumps that, I don't think. That having a set rotation is 
is makes things happen. Is it important sometimes to leave certain guys in AAA to buy time for them to work on things? Is that coming yeah, into consideration? No, I mean, you'd like to see them go down there and string together some starts. I mean, those guys you talk about are all options, but they have, as of yet, haven't put together, right. you know, two, three, four starts in a row that are, you know, that you feel good about. All right, so we'll start with the, the most requested pitcher on the uh, pitching questions hotline. Uh, that, that, that's Michael Soroka, and he's still not really stringing them together either, but at least he had a better start this week. Yeah, so this week he only allowed one run to start, but he only goes four and two-thirds innings. Um, that's fine. I just think, so the Braves with Soroka, the reason he hasn't been brought up yet is they don't want him to be brought up and then have to yo-yo him up and down. They don't feel like that does him any good. They would like for him to be in the rotation for the long haul when they do bring him up to have a steady place here. And they've also, you know, obviously tried to manage his workload because they ideally would want him to pitch into October if he's up here. Um, And he just hasn't strung together consistently like good starts. I mean, his best start of the year came in that third start when he pitched six shutout innings. But Jay, in our rain delay you know, New York pod rain postponement, New York podcast. We mentioned that the next start after that, he gave up eight runs, seven of them earned over three innings. And then he gave up three runs over four innings. Fine. But he only goes four innings and then three runs again over four innings. And then one run over four and two thirds. Like this is a guy, he hasn't really gone five innings yet. And he hasn't strung together great starts down at AAA or shown the length. And I think the stuff's been good. You know, the command's been a little iffy, and I think it's about knocking the rust off. I talked to um, Matt Tuiasasopo, who um, Tui manages the uh, the stripers, and he told me, like, the command's been good. You know, the sinker looks really, really good. The slider could use a little bit more consistency in the execution. Um, and he also said it seems like Soroka, you know, he kind of gets punched in the mouth early on, um, and it starts to spiral a little bit, but then he finds himself and, and kind of steadies the ship. So, hey, if he could just... He said, Tui said, if he could just kind of come out from the get-go and, you know, take care of his business from the jump, it would be great. But I also asked Tui, hey, does this look like a guy to you that's going to be in the major leagues again and going to pick up where he left off? And he said, absolutely. There's no doubt. He said part of the mindset is just telling him like, hey, you're, you're not that far away, but just focus on your business here. Don't, you know, think about the bigger picture with, you know, think about the bigger picture with these outings. You know, don't look at them individually and get all wrapped up into one of them think about the bigger picture you know think about where you're trying to go and they think you know they think he's close and i think it seems like people believe michael soroka is going to be back in the major leagues this season if and when it happens it'll be a very you know kind of the next step the next chapter a completion to some you know of a very heartwarming story uh but he's not there yet he hasn't strung together great starts the braves want him to work on things he's definitely working on things mechanically you know, in terms of shaking the rust off uh, and kind of getting a little better with some things. But he might not be super far off. They just don't want to yo-yo him. Uh, And the example that, you know, I heard and I think of is like Kyle Wright. So Kyle Wright in 2021, they brought him up against the Mets and he got hammered, right? Like he got shelled. After that is when they finally decided to leave him down in AAA. And he finally started to develop. It was advantageous for him. And I just don't think they want to yo-yo Mike Soroka up and, you know, Michael Soroka up and down. They want him, you know, to be in a good spot to succeed. The last thing they would want is to bring him up for a start and it's hailed as this comeback to the majors and then he gets knocked around. They've got to send him right back down. So they, you know, all this is about putting your players in the best position to succeed. And I think they want to see 
you know, not only more from him, but they want to see things from him because he hasn't really been great in AAA quite yet. Um, he hasn't been awful. It just hasn't been to the level they have wanted to see to where they think like, okay, he's ready and he's going to be here, you know, in Atlanta for a while. Now that brings us to the most, the most surprising news of the week to me is AJ Smith Shaw. Yes, he has 21 consecutive innings without an earned run, but he's only thrown seven innings in Double A. Is he ready for Triple A, or are the Braves just desperate? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think he's ready for Triple A just because. I mean, I think. Look, there's no way, and nobody would ever say this within the organization. It might not be true, but like, there's no way you look at that and don't think about the Braves' current rotation situation, right? Like, you just can't look at that and be like, okay, that wasn't in part driven by what's going on now and the fact that he might be a better option. If he shows them something, he might be a better option than Soroka, than Dodd, than even Schuster. Who knows how it's going to go in AAA? Who knows how it's going to go if he ever, you know gets the call to the majors this year? But, I mean, first AAA outing against Memphis, and I was talking to Tui about him. You know, Memphis is... You know, a good line, you know, regarded as a good lineup down there, one of the hottest teams in AAA. He gives up two runs over five innings pitched, and he strikes out five, walks two. One of those runs, Jay, Jordan Walker home run. That was a guy who came That's out and had good. a, you know, 10, 13, 12, 13 game hitting streak. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's down there right now in AAA um, in the Cardinals organization. Yeah, he's he's good. Decatur kid. But hey, Here's the thing about A.J. smith Shaver. He's got a live arm. When the Braves first scouted him, he was at 95. Um, you know, now he's 96 to 98. You know, his fastball was around there on uh, that start in Memphis. I don't, you know, there's no way, like I said, to look at this and not think about the rotation situation. And maybe it's not a desperate move by the Braves, but it's definitely a move to be like, hey, maybe this guy's a better option for us. And maybe he is. Like, maybe he just the stuff you know, is better. Like he, I, he only, he's got a fascinating story. He was a former three-star recruit in football as a quarterback. He committed to play baseball at Texas tech and was going to walk on there for football as well. Well, the Braves drafted him in the seventh round, his plans changed, uh, but he only started pitching in the summer going into his senior year of high school. So that COVID summer, COVID 2020, he only started pitching. Then when he started, he was throwing his senior year, he was throwing primarily fastballs. So this is a guy, this right-hander that hasn't had a lot of time, which should give you, you know, with his rise now, it should encourage you even more because that probably means that he's got more potential left to tap, you know, into. And so, I mean, it was definitely surprising news, um, but he earned it. And the Braves are one of those teams that are just willing to shuttle guys up very quickly. They will give guys their next test. They want to find out more about their prospects, especially because, Smith Shaver, in terms of the younger ones, might be closest to the majors, um, closest to, um, you know, closer than Owen Murphy, who was drafted last year, or J.R. Ritchie, who was drafted last year and is now on the injured list with uh, with an elbow injury. So those are a couple of their top pitching prospects. A.J. Smith Shaver's up there. And Jay, here's another interesting thing. They're using the pre-tacked balls. Um, in double A this year, uh, for a portion of it, at least I think. And I do wonder if that factored in, I know the Braves weigh everything. And I wonder if that factored in, because if you think about it, if you think that AJ Smith Shaver could eventually be a better rotation option, than some of the guys you have, or you just want to test him or you, you know, you just, you know, he's going to be in the major someday. That's what you think. 
why have him pitch with a baseball that's he's not going to use in the major league someday, or at least not right now, at least not in the immediate future. Why, why have him pitch with that? And then that, that kind of stood out to me. Now, I don't know if this kid's going to be up in, in June. I don't know if he's going to be up in July, but I do think it's interesting that they moved him up so quickly and he doesn't have a ton of time above the high school level. So who knows, but the Braves kind of just keep pushing their boundaries on this stuff. And really so far, like they've been almost right. And when things haven't worked out, i.e. in the case of Vaughn Grissom, you know, if he hasn't just taken the job forever, they've just sent him back down. He's been in AAA and, I, you know, they, there's no harm in that. But you do have to weigh the development uh, versus kind of what you need up in the majors. All right. So while there are still questions about the Braves rotation coming up, uh, there is no question about the guy at the top of the order who may be uh, the MVP of the National League. We'll take a look at Ronald Acuna's stretch of baseball and why it may be one of the best you'll ever see. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Right, one of the nice things about this podcast is it allows Justin to expand on all the information that he has floating around in that head because he's one of the few people that is embedded with the team all the time and knows everything that's that's going on. But... There's more where that came from, and the only way you can get all of our Braves coverage is to be a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's just constantly popping out day after day after day. Game observation stories, feature stories, our columns from uh, Mark Bradley and Michael Cunningham, and we do have a special deal if you want to try us out and jump on board. You get unlimited digital access to the AJC for the next six months for 99 cents. So you don't get just our sports coverage, but our breaking news coverage as well, politics, investigations, food and dining, the list goes on and on. So to take advantage of this special deal, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Now it's time for an ode to Acuna. He's one of those guys, you better stay in your seat because you might see something really special. You better learn to order on the app or whatever. You, you catch yourself on, on the edge of the of the bleachers watching every pitch because every every swing, you, you, know, you think something's magical going to happen. He's the best player I've ever seen. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, he's, he's the best player in the game right now. All right, that's Snit, Riley, Spencer Strider. You're a professional wordsmith. You get one word to describe Ronald Acuna in May. Superhuman. I, mean, I think. Is that two? <laughs> no, I think that's one word, right? Okay. We'll, we'll allow uh, it. Okay. Um, no, I, that, that would be my word just because, like, you – I think there's something interesting about – athletes like ronald so one time i'll take you back to a steph curry line i heard from somebody so steph curry somebody said that the magical thing about steph is that he looks like any one of us 
but he just shoots a ton of threes. He's way more athletic than us. Like, I know I couldn't dunk like Russell Westbrook, or I know I couldn't, you know, I, I will never look like LeBron James. But Steph Curry, somebody, I remember somebody once said, is almost like a regular person doing irregular things. And I think to me, Acuna's got a little bit of both. Like, he's not 6'6". Like, he doesn't look like Aaron Judge. But he's still way more athletic than I could ever aspire to be. He's not a small guy, but like I said, he's not 6'6", he's not 240 pounds, and he's got insane power. Like, he's not the size of Austin Riley, but he hits balls just as far. And I feel like every time Acuna hits one, it's 440, 450 plus. The other day, he hit one in Texas that only went 429 feet, and I was like, wow, that's an outlier because they're usually 460, 450, 454, 455. I think it's just, I mean, he's been heroic for them in the early part of the season. He's done it all. Like he's making leaping catches at the wall. He's running balls down. His arm is a freaking cannon. Um, he's so explosive on the bases. He, he steals bases at will. Um, he scores from first whenever he wants to, if there's just a little bit of space in the gap or a little bit, you know, with the outfield, the outfielder trudges a little bit. He can hit a ball anywhere. Like I, I just think to me it's superhuman because he's got a little bit of both. He looks like, you know, just this regular guy who's more built than the rest of us, sure. But I'm just, you know, he's not 6'5", he's not 6'4". But he still has athleticism, explosiveness, and strength that none of us could ever gain in any amount of hours or, you know, it's just God-given talent. Like, it, it, it's really impressive and it kind of... You kind of like you marvel at it because it, it, there are very few like Ronald Acuna and there are very few five tool players and there are very few of those five tool players can put them all on display consistently at his best. I don't think you take anybody over Ronald consistently. There might be a couple guys on that tier, but there's nobody above him at his best. He had homers in four straight days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All four of those homers went over 420 feet through Saturday. He's leading baseball in OPS, stolen bases, runs, hits, and total bases. And according to MLB.com, only two players have led the majors in stolen bases and OPS and their first-name guys, Willie and Ricky. And that's the list. Yeah, that's MVP stuff, right? I mean, he's it's unreal. He hits for contact. He hits for power. I, I'm just literally going through the five tools right now. He throws. He runs. He fields. He does it all. I'll throw in this for you. So after he hit that fourth home run um, in as many games, he hit that in Texas. I looked up, uh, I went on the MLB research tool and I looked up just the longest home runs this season. Ronald Acuna has four, at that point, had four of the longest home runs in Major League Baseball this season. Four of them. He was only one other guy appeared on that list and that was uh, Mitch Hanniger and he only appeared twice. Acuna appeared four times, and all of the other guys on that list only appeared once. It's insane. I mean, I and it's not like he has 20 home runs. He's got, you know, what is it, 8, 9, 10, whatever it might be now. Uh, but it all of them are flying 450 feet, it seems like. It's rare when, when you set sky-high expectations for a player and they actually deliver. But, you know, this spring it was, okay, Acuna should be healthy. If he is healthy, he can do it all. This could be a special season. So far, heading into the end of May, it is a special season. 
right now he's the MVP front runner. I mean, in the National League. I mean, he's been maybe the best player in baseball. Uh, he was the player of the month for the NL in April, you know, and I, we vote on those, the riders at the end of each month or the beginning of each month for that previous month. And it's going to be tough to not vote Ronald again, just because he's been that good. Uh, still there's, you know, we can change left in, in May, but man, I mean, he's been incredible and he's on an MVP pace. Really, this is what he was doing in 2021, though, right? Like, is this, I mean, I that was before I got here. Is he, is he do you think he's better now? I, th- I think this is the best I've, I've, I've seen him. Uh, now, it does It does seem to help. The shift's not there anymore. All those bars, he's, balls he's sitting right on the screws. Nobody's there. And the new, the new rules do allow him to run more, so maybe that's weighing into it a little bit. But just watching him, it's like, man, this is the best player in the game. Yeah, yeah, and the... You make a good point. I mean, very oftentimes, that's a LeBron James argument, right? Like, very often we set expectations for players. Very few of those players reach those expectations, meet those heights. Ronald Acuna was hailed as the dynamite prospect who was going to lead the Braves into this new era, who was going to get out of the rebuild and make Braves baseball fun, who was going to escape kind of the minor leagues, get up to the majors, and make Braves fans believe again. And if it's possible, he's probably exceeded expectations because we see so many top prospects who, you know, kind of hit their weight, whatever, you know, they, I mean, they serve their role. They're great. They might even be regulars. This kid is a superstar. He is incredible. Like you said, I mean, he, I don't think there's anybody going right now who's better than him, clearly better than him. I mean, you could go, you could argue Shohei Otani, you could argue Mike Trout. You could make arguments, you know, um, trying to think like whoever you want to do. Otani's a good uh, one. Otani's yeah. a very good one. Otani, yeah. You could argue. And all those guys are going to get thrown in for comparisons, right? Like the Trey Turners of the world and the Fernando Tatises and the Juan Sotos and, you know, Otani, Trout, like uh, Aaron Judge. Like I'm just trying to think of guys that we've heard in this debate over the last four years, you know. Right now, Ronald is doing it more consistently than all of them with all of his tools. And I just think he's just been incredible. It's just he's got God-given talent and, and just incredible ability. And it's it's wild how he can hit a baseball um, and how he can throw one and how fast he runs. And it, you, you are completely 100% correct, I think, about the rule changes, just strengthening the parts of his game that at one point could be held back by other teams. Now, Cunha's running mate is Ozzy Albies, and you know he's also healthy this year and returning to his form as, as maybe the best second baseman in the National League. He's got 10 overs. His OPS is over 800. And he's always been a better hitter as a righty, but it's never been this pronounced like we've seen this season. So you and the, the rest of the assembled media asked him you know earlier this week, ever thought about giving up switch hitting? Love switch hitting. Like I said, some days it feels amazing on the left side. Some days it feels not as good on the right side and some days it's opposite so i guess because i'm naturally righty it clicks yeah. better yeah at, at any point in your career have you ever like thought about just going one side or is it just something it was, that's never come up to you it was a conversation but but still sweet i love doing switching Some Con- conversation with the team you mean uh with coaches or just with yeah. coaches and what part of it is there a part of it that like obviously we're, we've never been in your shoes or haven't played baseball at the level you have 
if like you were to go just to one side, it's like, maybe you're not going to be the Aussie Albies, right? That you always have been, or like, is that, it just makes you feel comfortable. You just enjoy it, right? Uh, yeah, but I say if I hit only on the right side, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> kill the ball, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I love the switch hitting part. It's, it's fun. I know you get, I know you get this question a lot on, in your mentions. But the splits are pretty pretty pronounced. Four forty eight this year hitting righty, one sixty nine as a lefty. So so why not roll with it? Why not just go ahead and stay a righty forever? Yeah, they've been pronounced pretty much his whole career. Brian Snicker even said in Texas that it's been a conversation, you know, just ever since he was in the minor leagues because it was like that. Here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about, and that's fair. If you don't cover this game for twenty four hours a day, you wouldn't. You just maybe wouldn't think about it. Ozzy Albies is much better as a righty, right, Jay? But Ozzy Albies, the switch hitter as a righty, is only facing left-handed pitching. You would have to also add in the right-handed pitching to that mix one. So, I mean, what would that do, right? That's the great unknown. Like, maybe he'd still be fine. Like he said in that answer, like, I was trying to get at, like, hey, does switch hitting make you feel like yourself? Like, would, would it be a case, you know? And he said, well, I'll still kill the ball. You know, I'd like to think I'd still kill the ball. But he'd be facing a lot of righties. And here's the other part of this, too, that not only would he face righties, he'd be righty on righty. They're primarily righties in baseball. So he'd be facing a lot of righties. And so that's a great unknown. And then I wonder about it logistically. Like, it would need a spring training. And maybe even more than that. Like, an offseason. And, you know, maybe, you know, and so... And guys how, long, how long has it been since he's seen batting right-handed a pitch coming from a right-hander with the breaking ball going away from him since he was a kid? Yeah, I think I think he's done it a couple times, you know, in the majors maybe, but like, you know, extenuating circumstances, you know. But um, and I think Alex Anthopoulos actually said on a recent radio interview that he'd done it. Albies did it once, and I think he said 2020 because he was hurt on the left side or something like that, and he it felt better to swing on the right side, um, so he did it against a righty. But, I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is he's done this his whole life. And, you know, if he liked the splits are pronounced, sure, but it, it kind of he feels like he can get to the production level doing it this way, you know, that he wants doing it this way. And, yeah, it would take an offseason, you would think. And even then, like, guys don't start building up right when they get eliminated from the postseason. Like, they take some time and usually do it, you know, December whatever into January it would take a spring training and I just like I keep going back to he'd have to be righty on righty a lot and Ozzy is very talented but just the people looking at this and saying why don't you go to you know you know not be a switch hitter why don't you just hit only from the right side those splits aren't going to carry over he's not going to OPS over a thousand from the right side as a full-time you know as a full-time righty in fact he might not even OPS 900 and he might you know, who knows maybe he doesn't even OPS 850 I I don't know. I think Ozzy's very talented, and I think the world of him is a hitter. I just think that it's not as simple as transferring his splits as a righty to being a full-time righty. All right, now time to look at what's up next, and uh, what's up next is the tough stretch does not get any easier. The L.A. Dodgers coming to town on Monday. They've got a two-and-a-half game lead as we record this over the Diamondbacks, and that's it. Those are the only two teams in the NL West that are above 500. Yeah, I know. That's shocking, right? Yep. Kind of a little bit. Definitely um, the Padres. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, Gabe Burns and I don't look very smart right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that. 
I, I should have taken the easy pick and just picked the Braves. I was thinking that when we were doing that podcast, like, I just think this Braves team is really good. And I, I was like, you know what? That's just too easy of a pick. It just seems, it seems too obvious. And I just, I should have picked the Braves. But yeah, it'll be fun to see, you know, for the Atlanta fans to see Freddie again. And Jay, for as much as we've talked about the Braves injuries, the Dodgers have had a slew of them. Right before this series, Dustin May goes on the I.L., Again, Julio Arias goes on the aisle again. The Braves are going to face Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller, two prospects who, you know, coming up this year in those first, you know, first two games of the series before they face Tony Gonsolin in the third. The Dodgers, though, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I everybody I do they have magic dust? They they just keep rolling. Like you look at them and on paper and you're like, yeah, this team's not really that good. This lineup's not really that good. The the rotation's got holes. The bullpen might show cracks. And they have a comfortable NL West lead. Braves will roll out Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Bryce Elder. And then uh, after the Dodgers leave, Braves get their first look at the Phillies. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, They've just added so much star power there over the last few years. Now you've got Trey Turner, JT Realmuto, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. You've still got Aaron Nola. You've still got Zach Wheeler, the fun host of relievers, those power relievers back there on the back end. It's that's a fun team. Those Phillies are a fun team. And I really like how they've improved, how they've gotten better over the years um, and how they've really just gone out and gone after it. Like they've spent like they've made a commitment to their fans. And that's really fun to see. Jay, that uh, that series because the Braves don't get the Mets or the Nationals or the uh, Marlins, I should say, again for a little bit at least, just a few weeks, um, I think if I'm thinking of that correctly, that series is the first time the Braves are going to put this cushy NL East lead to the test. And the cushy lead is five games over the Marlins, of all people, and then the, uh, the, the Mets are five and a half and the Phillies are seven behind the Braves. So now, time for Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. All right, first up from at Cardi Kicks. Updates on Freed. Yeah, so I mean, apparently he was lifting weights. That probably, I would assume, maybe is just legs, uh, but that's what he's doing. You know, I don't know if he can lift. Uh, I don't know that he can lift, you know, with his arms yet or that he's been cleared to do that. But I guess if you want an update on Freed, I mean, he's been able to kind of work out his legs, I, I think, at the very least. All right, next up from Matt. I'm concerned about how the Braves score in the first inning or the first couple innings, then go radio silent for most innings after, especially in losses. Any thoughts on what might be the cause? I don't know if they get a lead and then take their foot off the gas or what? I don't know. It's always the that's a billion dollar question, right? Like it's always if you could find out these things with external factors or I I don't know. I mean, I don't think they necessarily take the foot off the gas. I think I think they just catch pitchers by surprise is I think part of it is like you've got a guy in Acuna who pitchers want to settle into a game and kind of from the jump. You've got a guy like Acuna who just swings the first pitch of the game like he'll he'll just if you throw one middle middle, he's going to hit it 400 plus feet for a leadoff homer like and then you've got the thumpers behind him. So they've got a good chance to score from the get go. But yeah, it has seemed like that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh inning is kind of a a Sahara right now. It's it hasn't been quite the oasis that people had hoped, but I don't know. I guess they're 29 and 17, right? So it's working out all right. From that Miller guy, would we see Chad Pender at some point because he's been red hot in Gwinnett? 
Yeah, that was actually, that was my thought. I don't know. I actually, this is my speculation. I don't know what the Braves are going to do. But I think that because Aerie Adrianza was transferred to the 60-day IL after feeling something on a swing and straining his shoulder, you know, he's not going to be back till July. The Braves brought up Charlie Culberson. My thought was that Chad Pinder might be a better baseball player than, than Culberson at this point. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. And like Culberson's great for the clubhouse. He knows the guys. He had some clutch moments here um, when he was last here. But I think Chad Pinder offers a lot in terms of, you know, some kind of like Culberson does, but some positional versatility where he's played almost anywhere. Um, maybe a, a better major leaguer more recently. I, I don't know. And I, I, that was my thought, though. Like, I was like, I wonder if. Chad Pinder comes up over Culberson. So I think you're on the right track there. Last question from Large Lar. Should the Braves send down Michael Harris if the slump continues into June? I I don't know that you can. I Well, you can do anything. But they gave him the big deal last year. And then who would play center field? Like Sam Hilliard on a full-time basis? I mean, in the minors, who would take the roster spot? Like in the minors, you've got Nick Solak. You've got Eli White, I guess, could take the roster spot. I just don't know that they would send. I mean, if it continues in June, I mean, maybe if it gets really extreme. But I just don't know that they would send him down. They've invested so much into him. And defensively, he gives them the same edge he always has. So, you know, he's not going to hit 300 every year. doesn't have to OPS 850. But... You know, let's let's see what he does. I I don't know. It's hard to say if it lasts into June because that's a long time. But I just think that there's a lot of reasons to keep Michael Harris up here, both in what he can do and in what others who would fill in for him cannot do. It's still only 80 at bats that he's had this season. It's been kind of yeah. rough 80 at bats, but it's still only 80 at bats. And then you look at the injuries, right? Like you look at he had the knee and had a couple of days off there. He had the back. It's been just, you know, the his season has been disjointed in a way. That I, you know, I just wonder if he gets, if it starts to become a little more regular and he starts to play a little bit better. All right, now time for winners of the week. You lead it off, and you cannot take Ronald Acuna. Ah, dang! I am instead, you know, I'm going to take Orlando Arcia. We don't talk about him enough, but he has that huge home run in that comeback win over Texas in the series finale. He had, you know, a couple big hits in this Mariners series. It just seems like. When the moment gets biggest, he he just shines. And I like that about him. And he's making almost every play. He had an error on in Saturday's game, but he's making just about every play at shortstop that he needs to. And some of the ones that you wouldn't expect someone to. So I I just think that Orlando Arcia doesn't get enough credit. Um, he's my winner of the week. Are you going to take Jared Schuster? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, but by the way, Orlando Arcia, four homers hitting 321. Dansby Swanson. Four homers as well. He's not hitting 321. He's down to 240 or 264. Wow. That's uh man. I nobody would ever, you know, I'm not gonna try to make the argument that he's, you know, better than Dansby, but it just I think the Braves knew what they were doing when they did not give Dansby that money. I think they had very clear reasons for not valuing him at what the Cubs or a couple other teams did. And that's nothing against Dansby. That's just saying I think the Braves thought that, you know, internally that, hey, maybe, you know, there's a chance that if Dansby would have stayed, he wouldn't have had a five-war season again, and maybe they could replace some of what he did, you know, def- you know, defensively, you know, especially offensively. Like, maybe they could get a little close to a Dansby Swanson-type player to the point where they wouldn't need to spend the money and wouldn't, you know, 
do something they were not comfortable with. And so far, I think it's working out. It, it, it looks like, once again, uh, Alex in the Braves front office uh, has made a very well-informed decision. My winner of the week is Braves fans who get their rear ends in their seats on time or those that turn their televisions on time. Because wow. the Braves lead the majors with 18 runs scored in the first 10 pitches of the game. And they got another one on Sunday. Uh, credit uh, Braves PR for getting that stat across. And uh, coming into Sunday, the Braves were in 416 in the first 10 pitches of the game with nine home runs. First 10 pitches of the game, I think uh... – can we just replay that snick quote again about, you know, you better learn to order on the app. Exactly. Don't don't get your hot dog and your beer right when you get here. Get, 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 get here for the bottom of the first, especially with the pitch clock, man. You can't even get your stuff in the top of the first. With I think this was the 14th sellout at Truist Park this season out of 22 games. So even if you got here, try to get it at the top of the first, you'd probably miss the bottom half. I mean, it's been packed here. Um, get to your seat. And then uh, with Ronald Acuna up, get on the edge of your seat. Yep, it's, it's been pretty spectacular. So that's where we leave it here for this week's uh, show. We will be here with you every Monday or when major news breaks. But do your part to uh, tell your buddies, tell your friends, uh, as we always say, tell your enemies to help us grow the show. You can do that many ways. You can uh, give us a rating. That gets us more attention. The higher the rating is, if we deserve it, uh, you can give us a review. That helps, too. Or you can follow the show on your own, and you can share the show. So that's how we get more attention, and that's how we grow. We appreciate your help. So until Monday, that's it. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta journal Constance. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.